Okay, so we last week we were speaking about the connection between the two lights of Sovav Kol Almen, Male Kol Almen, and connecting them with Torah and mitzvahs. We said that Male Kol Almen, which is the light that is invested and revealed, directed, limited way within creation, is corresponding to the Torah. The Torah comes from this light of Male Kol Almen, which is why even though it comes from an infinite place and the Torah is infinite, it's able to be understood with our minds, we're able to actually apply it and internalize it into our life. And that is why it is Mamalekal Amin light. And every time we learn Torah, we're drawing down more of this Mamalekal Amin light into our bodies, into our brains, and into the world. And the mitzvahs we said correspond to the Sov of Kalamin. Sov of Kalamin is the encompassing light that does not permeate the world in a revealed way because it's too infinite to be held by our brains and by, um, yeah, by what we call hasaga, by understanding. And we see the same thing with mitzvahs. The mitzvahs draw down this light of Sov of Kol Omen, and they're sourced from this place of Sov of Kol Omen, from God's will. God's will transcends his intellect, and it is an infinite, comes from an infinite place. And that is the reason why when we do mitzvahs, we don't internalize them in the same way that we do when we learn Torah. We don't truly understand the meaning and the depth behind the mitzvahs in a way that becomes one with us. And the example that was brought in the Maimar, I'm pretty sure we read that inside, was that Torah is considered the food for the soul, right? We said that, right? The mazon, just as food is internalized and becomes one with the blood and one with the body to give it life, so to Torah gets internalized in a revealed way to give our soul life when we learn Torah. And mitzvahs are considered garments. Do we read that about the mitzvahs being garments? Mm -hmm. That they're clothing which dress the body, they add something to the body, but not in an internalized way. They don't become one and part of the body. They surround the body, and that's the same idea with mitzvahs. And I think that's why, did we read, um, that's, why, that's why clothing are more expensive than food? Did we read that inside? I think that's where we were up to. Um, I think we're up to, that's where we're up to inside. Yeah. Page 17, we're up to the idea continuing on with this analogy that we see within our physical world that clothing are more expensive usually than food. Depends what clothing, what food, obviously, today. But in the olden days when everyone had two pairs of clothing and everyone grew their own food, clothing were definitely always much more expensive than food. And um, the reason for that is, is that even though it doesn't sustain the person in an in a obvious way by giving the body life, it adds something to the person and it is more valuable. And the same thing, the mitzvahs, according to the Alter Rebbe, are from a higher, loftier place, and they draw down a more um, encompassing, infinite, loftier light and revelation of God down into the world. So that's where we're up to. Page 17, paragraph 3. We're going to continue along these lines, and we're going to see, uh, we're going to end off with this idea in the next page. And then we're going to start to see where Teshuvah fits into all of this. We'll get to that today as well, please. So the Alkane, that is why, third paragraph, Levushim yoter yikarim betiva mehamazan. Garments, clothing, are more expensive naturally than food. Liyot, and the reason for that is, Shebesharsham, that the that clothing, that mitzvahs in their source, Hem yoter na'alim, they are higher. And clothing, we know, come from inanimate objects, food it comes from plants or animals and so we would think that the inanimate objects are actually less important 
and come from a less lofty place. But the truth is, there's this concept in Hasidus, which we're going to see a lot throughout the year, that that which seems to be the lowest down here is actually sourced in the highest place. So even though mitzvahs look like very, very technical things that are done without understanding and with a lot less excitement than understanding a concept in Torah, and even though we're using very physical, mundane objects to do the mitzvahs, the objects that we're using to do the mitzvahs are sourced in a very, very lofty place, and we're drawing down a tremendously high light from Sov of Kol Omen when we do the mitzvahs. The Zeu Shekatuv mitzvahs. this is what is written regarding the mitzvahs in the Parsha, Tachat Asher Lo Avadata, Hashem Elokecha, since you did not serve your God, Hashem, your God, Merov, call from an abundance of good. Perosh Rav Kol, what does it mean? From an abundance of good things, who Bechinat Gan Eden. It is talking about the Garden of Eden. Are you guys familiar with Gan Eden? The concept of Gan Eden? Mm-hmm. That after the soul departs this world, it goes into, if it's, if it's deserving, it goes to the Garden of Eden, which we like to call, I guess, paradise, right? Um, and what is the reward of Gan Eden? We, when we think of paradise, we think of like the beach, right? With a margarita in her hand or something. But what's Gan Eden actually? It's paradise for, us, for the soul. What the soul is doing all day and all night and constantly in Ganadin is learning Torah and delighting in the understanding and the intellectual connection that it's making on an even deeper and deeper level as it ascends levels with God's Torah. That's what's going on in Ganadin. So Ganadin actually represents Torah. In Ganadin, you can't do any mitzvahs. There's no, no one single mitzvah that a soul can do in Ganadin because every mitzvah is, needs and depends upon the physical reality. Ganadin is a completely spiritual world. So is is not Olam Haba. Good question. So Olam Haba is used for interchangeably for two things. Also for Gan Eden, because it's the world to come, it's the next life, so to speak, the afterlife. But it's also referring to the times of Mashiach and the resurrection of the dead, which are two different things. We're actually going to be learning a little later on in the year the difference between the two and the reasons why everybody gets into Mashiach. Like every Jew is going to be able to be resurrected from the dead and experience Mashiach. But to get into Gan Eden, you have to deserve it. You have to earn it during your lifetime. Really? Um, yes. So there, the term Olam Haba is used interchangeably for both. So it's always important to clarify which Olam Haba you're referring to. But here we're talking about Gan Eden. In Gan Eden, um, we can only learn Torah. So we can only draw down more Mamale Kolom and we can only tap into the Mamalekolom in that limited light, which is able to be understood. When we go to Ganadin, we can understand a lot more Torah and connect to it much more deeply and delight in it much more than we can in this world because we're pure soul. But it's still a limited light. The moment we say understanding, even when we say a soul understands godliness, it's limited. Because the moment we say a creation understands God, it's a limited version of God. Because nothing, no one, no matter how spiritual, can truly comprehend the truth of God. So, the pasuk is saying, since you did not serve God, Mirov call from having an abundance of all good things. And the idea is that um, you can focus on Gan Eden, but that is not the ultimate. In Gan Eden, we draw down Mamalekolamim, as we'll see. But in this world, when we learn ta- when we do mitzvahs, we're drawing down Sovav Kolamim. And we'll see why that's relevant in a moment. So shall mitzvahs heim yotergvohim. The mitzvahs are higher. Which... By the way, we'll get to the, the fact that the Gemara says that the Torah is higher. We did read that before. But here, this is the altar. we saying, mitzvahs are higher. Shehei makifim, because they come from a much 
loftier place, what we call an encompassing light that is too infinite to be comprehended even by souls. Shelamala Meganeden, it's an even higher level than that which is experienced in Ganeden. Shehu Hasaga Bibchinas Primius, because in Ganeden you can understand things in an internalized way. And this is the reason why when we, going back to that debate that we brought from the Gemara, where they were arguing, there were two camps, there were two sides. One said Torah is more important, Torah is higher. One said mitzvahs are more important, mitzvahs are higher. The conclusion was Torah because it leads to mitzvahs. But there was, the author was saying, this is why, this is why there was one camp that was pushing and saying, action is greater than learning, mitzvahs are higher than Torah study. However, what was the conclusion that the Gemara came to? Nimnu, they took a vote for Gemara and they concluded Talmud Gadol, that actually Torah learning is greater. Why? Because it allows us to actually do the actions. As lofty as mitzvahs are, we cannot do them without first learning the Torah. We don't know how to. Mitzvahs are very, very precise. And if you light Shabbos candles, you know, 20 minutes after... Shkia, you aren't lighting Shabbos candles, you're lighting candles, right? Um, if you, you know, if you use a, a lemon on Sukkot, instead of uh, an etrog, you're not, you don't have the four species as you're supposed to. It's very, very precise. And the only way we know how to do the mitzvahs and how to draw this light down, this infinite sovev kol omen light, is through learning the Torah. But here, um, the Alter Rebbe says that the whole the ability for us to actually draw down Sov of Kalamen into these physical limited objects through mitzvahs is only because we first learn the Torah. So that is why they concluded Torah is higher than mitzvahs, not because actually Torah is higher than mitzvahs, but because Torah allows us to draw down the loftier light that comes from mitzvahs. Does that make sense? So we went through this whole kind of journey, understanding what is Torah, what is mitzvahs, where do they come from, so we can go back and understand this argument in the Gemara, and we'll see again, we're going to apply this to Teshuvah in a moment. So let's see that inside. Vaha'inian, we're on page 18, third paragraph. So what's the reason that they concluded and they voted that Torah is more important? Ki'i efshar liyot hit orot, it's impossible to have an awakening and to draw down the sovev kol omen, the infinite light of God, through doing practical mitzvot, because we do mitzvahs with physical objects. How does me, a physical limited person, interacting with a mitzvah, with a physical limited object, draw down an infinite light? How do we do that? Right, so that's the idea, that me as a limited person connecting to a limited thing and actually drawing down infinite light is because of the Torah. Because the Torah teaches us and inspires us. If you do it this way, and if you contemplate on this thing, then you'll be able to actually draw down this light. So it's almost like the glue between us and the physical objects, allowing it to be turned into a mitzvah. And to draw down this infinity is through the Torah. So, im lo'a Torah, oh, sorry, sorry, shehem midvarim gashmim, um, Mitzvahs are from physical, limited things. Tzitzit mitzemer, that tzitzit, that men wear, are from wool, physical wool from a sheep. Tztaka, b'mamon, gashmi, we give charity with physical money. Imlo al yadei, ha-Torah, and if not with the Torah, shehi ha-mamutza ha-mechabram, which is the intermediary that connects the two. And it allows, it's like the glue that holds the different physical aspects together, binds them together in a way that's able to draw down this infinite light. Hello, that's, good morning. That's like the light. Sydney, she's trying to pass it. Awesome. Okay. Thank you. So, 
So the Torah is the glue, so to speak, that allows this infinite light to come down. Because we're going on, um, we're on page 18. Okay, on the right side. Um, we've been saying until now that through mitzvahs, we're drawing down this infinite light of God that is totally transcendent of all the worlds. But it's like, I'm a physical person. The object is physical. What, what allows us to do that? And the answer is the Torah. The Torah allows this process to happen in the way that it does. And again, it has to be very, very precise. If we're like one thing off and the Sov of Kolomit doesn't come, then, it, then I'm a physical person interacting with physical things and this light isn't coming down. But through the Torah, it allows it to. So the spiritual revelation of the mitzvahs that encompasses all worlds is incompatible with the physical objects used for mitzvahs. They are inherently antithetical as spirituality and physicality are opposites. However, the Torah has the ability to connect them because on the one hand, it is a spiritual knowledge about Hashem, but on the other hand, it is expressed in our physical understanding and application. This is why the Torah study has an advantage over mitzvahs. Even the mitzvahs need the Torah in order for their own divine light to be revealed. So that mitzvahs come from a higher place and draw down a higher source of godly light than the Torah. But the Torah, but the mitzvahs depend on the Torah in order for it to actually be able to do that. Does that make sense? Okay, so let's, I'm going to take you back to the argument. Can we draw it out? Like, is there sure. A um, or like a visual or a metaphor? I can try. Let me first, let me first do the, go back to the argument in the Gemara. Okay. And then I can try to draw it out. So what we've just spent like the past two classes doing is trying to understand this argument in the Gemara. There's an argument that says, split up into two camps. One camp said, mitzvahs are more important. Masa action is the most important thing, is greater. And the other camp said, no, Torah study is greater. And then they concluded that they voted and the conclusion was Torah study is greater. So the al takes this apart. He says, what are mitzvahs? Mitzvahs are that which draws down Sov of Kalamin. It, it's, it's connected to God's will, God's desire, which we said comes from Keter all the way above the world. And it draws down an infinite godly light into a physical world. Not in a way that we can see it with our physical eyes, but it's drawing it down. Torah is drawing down a more limited light that comes from God's chokhmah, that comes from God's wisdom, which is more limited because chokhmah, as we discussed, gives to the world in a very limited, um, individualized way. Because when we use our intellect, we're able to compartmentalize and to divide and to find opposites and differences. So the mitzvahs, the light of the mitzvahs gives to everything equally. It's just, it's beyond logic and intellect and saying you deserve more than you. It gives everybody equally. But Torah says, wait, you're able to learn more Torah, right? That's the example we've got. You sit all day in Kolal. You have an obligation to learn more. You are a businessman. You need to learn in the morning and the night. It takes into consideration differences. The moment something is so close to reality that it can start to see differences, it's a lower light, right? And we brought the example of an airplane, right? If you're up all the way high up in an airplane, there's no difference between a tree and a mountain and a person and a car. It's all just like one thing because you're so high up you're so lofty when you come down 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 then you descend suddenly you say oh there's a tree there's you know there's the mountain um you start to see differences and you react and interact differently with the different things you see so the altar is saying that torah draws down a lesser light than mitzvahs mitzvahs draw down an infinite light and torah draws down a more limited light however why is it then if that's the case, why did they then conclude that Torah is higher than mitzvahs? We've just 
spent a whole bunch of time explaining why mitzvahs are higher than Torah. The answer is because in order for mitzvahs to actually fulfill their job, their function of drawing down this infinite light, we de it depends on the Torah. We need the Torah. The Torah turns a physical limited object and a physical limited person into a godly act, uh, into a process that's able to draw down this infinite light. So the Torah tells us, without the Torah, we wouldn't know what physical objects to interact with in what way and when and at what time to draw down this light. So the Torah teaches us, it says, 18 minutes before sunset on Friday evening, you need to take a physical candle, preferably from oil. It's fine if it's from wax, whatever. Take a candle, light it, say this blessing. When you do that, you are going, you are, you will now be able, you as a physical person with these physical objects and this physical world, draw down an infinite level of God. But it's only through the Torah. So the Torah is like the glue that holds, that binds and unites all these physical elements together into something, into a formula almost, that's able to draw down this light. So what's higher? Mitzvahs are higher. What was the conclusion of what's higher? The Torah, because in order to draw down the light of the mitzvahs, we need the Torah. It's the glue. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Okay. So I think it was, it's very important to go back to that original argument because we, we had that argument a while ago. We had the Gemara a while ago that we spent a lot of time on the two different lights and the corresponding elements of the Torah and the mitzvahs. So the, the idea that's being brought down here is, as we said here, that the Torah is the mamutza hamachabram. It's the intermediary that connects them. Because Torah, on the one hand, as we discussed, comes from an infinite place, not as infinite as mitzvahs, but from a very, very lofty, infinite place within God, God's wisdom. But on the other hand, it's able to be internalized and understood in our mind. So Torah holds these two things, and that's why it's a mamutza hamachabram. It's able to connect with us, with the physical world, but it's also able to act, connect with God and with the spiritual world. And so when we connect to Torah, we're able to use our limited capacities down here to draw down infinite lights from up there. That's basically the, the message that we're left with so far in the Mimer. We good with that? Any questions, comments on that idea? Okay, so here we're gonna bring now just an example of this idea. Um, of this idea that there's a mamutza hamachaber, there's an intermediary that has both aspects that's able to connect the two. Um, so anytime we say an intermediary, what does an intermediary need to have? It needs to have connection to both sides, right? In order to connect the two, because if it's only connected to one side, then it's as lost as the thing it's trying to connect. It has to have a magnet, a connection, a rope between each side so that it can draw them both together. So ukmal derech mashal ba'adam. We see this process in a person. That his speech is considered this intermediary. It draws out the concealment of the mind into the revealed world. So we have our mind and our thoughts, which are not accessible to people outside of us, right? Thank God. Um, and we'd be in trouble if, if, we, if, if our thoughts were just out there, right? So we have our thoughts and they're hidden. And then we have people that we want to communicate with, which are outside of ourselves. Two completely, completely disconnected realities. Then we have something called speech. Speech, on the one hand, is able to communicate to people, to things outside of the body, but it's also in touch and in tune with our thoughts that are inside of us, so that it's able to express that which we are thinking out into the world. So it has both aspects to it, both elements to it, and therefore it's able to connect 
our thoughts, our intellect, our mind, with the world outside of ourselves. So, I think we were studying, correct me if I'm wrong, like classes, and we were talking about the power of our words to create our reality. Mm -hmm. But it said that they didn't. Right? Did we say that maybe it wasn't? Well, like, physical, oh, I think we talked about it in this class. Yeah, right. What was in this class, but in this case, it does prove that your power, the words are powerful. Words are very powerful, but they don't create physical reality. There's actually something called olam hadibor, which is the world of speech, which we don't see with our eyes. When we, when we talk, we do create things, but not physical things. There's a story with the Baal Shem Tov, that he had two students who were fighting in Shul, I guess, in where the Baal Shem Tov was. Um, they were arguing, and then one said to the other, I'm going to rip you apart like a fish. And so then the Baal Shem Tov got up, and he told all of the people in the shul to hold hands together. So everybody held hands. And then the Baal Shem Tov came and held the two last people's hands together. And suddenly everyone started screaming. Because they started, they had a vision in front of them of literally this man ripping apart the other man like a fish. And the Al-Tarebi, the, the, the Baal Shem Tov's message was that your words create realities. Even though you don't see them, some people can see them if you're very, very in tune. And um, you have to be very careful with your words. So on the one hand, our words do create non-physical realities. God's words, that's what we were discussing, that's the concept of speech. God's speech creates physical reality. That's why it's very different than our speech. So in that analogy, speech is the mitzvah, and thought is the... I'm confused because... Speech is the Torah. And the people outside of us are the mitzvah, the physical action of the mitzvahs, and the mind is the sov of kol in light. So let's, let's break that down. Let's first bring the mashal. Uh, we have the mind, which is completely transcendent. There's an infinite amount of thoughts going on, and it's not, able to be, like, it's not able to be held and understood and communicated to that outside. Then there's that which is outside people, limited in their own space. And then there's speech. Speech, on the one hand, has this, this element that's internal, that's connected to the mind, but it also has the ability to communicate to that which is outside. Yeah. So we have the infinite soul of light, which transcends all worlds and is not able to be um, truly held by physicality. Then we have the Torah, which gives us formulas, literal like instructions, right? Detailed instructions of how to communicate this light down. Then we have the mitzvahs, which are the actions that we do, the communications, the interaction we have with the physical world, which are able to draw down this light through the mitzvahs. Sorry, through the Torah. Through the Torah. The mitzvahs can only draw down this light through the Torah. The Torah, on the one hand, is spiritual. It's infinite. It's connected to God's intellect. But on the other hand, because it comes down in a way of mamale kol omen, it's able to be actually internalized and understood in our minds. I think that just like the simpler way of like, like just because of how I kind of like, like broke, broke down in my head is that like, we cannot, like, we have all those insights in our head, which are, you know, like, you can do a cottage, whatever, like, just to simplify, but the only way that it can be communicated to the lower worlds or, like, realize in actions for our speech, like, yeah. in, in other way, it would be just staying there and, like, like, stirring itself out, but, like, the only way that, you know, the thought or whatever can be realized is for the speech. Right. And it doesn't have to be, like, reciprocated from outside. It's just, like, how we realize our, 
like things that you cannot even understand how they got there. Like yeah. <laughs> how by the like, way, I know is. something that women know very well is that sometimes in order for us to actually know what we're thinking and make sense of it, we have to speak it. Right? We have to, <laughs> we have to like talk it out. And through that process of just like bringing it into the world, right? And usually we need somebody who's listening too. Um, we need that person who's like, you know, we're directing our thoughts through the speech. And then our thoughts actually, we're able to sit with them much better. Yeah. I'm confused because I get how speech is, comes from a lower source than thought. I understand that. And so in that way, Torah would be like speech and mitzvahs would be like thought. But the speech itself seems Torah more like... Torah would be speech. The light that's drawn down through mitzvahs is thought. The actual mitzvahs is the person outside of you who you're communicating to. Like a mitzvah at the end of the day, what's a mitzvah? It's me taking water, making a blessing, and drinking water. Right, so speech, it makes sense that mitzvahs and speech are correlated. Mitzvahs and speech meaning mitzvahs and Torah? Uh, no, because m- mitzvahs are the person, that physical limited person that you're trying to communicate this tremendous amount of thoughts going on in your mind you're trying to like give it to this person who knows nothing so that would be the mitzvahs just limited physical objects and limited physical people the speech is the torah because torah communicates in a an understandable way to people right that's what we discussed that you can open up a book of torah and understand it with your limited brain but on the other hand torah also comes from an infinite place um, i was i don't remember i think i was telling Sarah, I don't remember who it was that I was telling about the mashal that Torah is also compared to water because just as water can come all the way from the heavens down here unchanged, so too Torah comes from an infinite place of God down here in a way that's able to be digested, right? So the Torah has both elements. So just as speech has both elements, it's connected to our internal world and it communicates that which is outside of us, the Torah is the same. Um, the mitzvahs, are that which is outside. It's very physical things, but it's drawing down this tremendously lofty light, right? And the way that it does that is through, is through the Torah. So the mitzvahs are not analogous with thought? The mitz, the, the sov of Kalaman, which is the source of mitzvahs, are analogous with thought. And the way that we draw down the source of the mitzvahs is through the Torah, and then by acting them out in the mitzvahs. So, so essentially the mitzvahs are the action to support everything else. It's yes. The, the, the Here, the way the, the Gemara actually uses, doesn't say mitzvahs, it says maiseh. Maiseh means action. Right. So that physical action, that physical person listening to you talk, right, who's limited, that's the mitzvah. It's, it's also like, it is, it, look, it's true that like Hashem doesn't need our, like, Hashem doesn't need a, the mitzvah. Like, Hashem doesn't need our mitzvahs, like, period. He doesn't need us to do this. And it's not, for him, like, it's not the same, it's not compared to, like, with Carbanos, for instance, Theta, like, refers to, like, oh, he enjoyed the smell, I don't know how to translate this, like, in proper English, but, like, he was enjoying the smell of the Carbanos, like, but, like, yeah. that's the only so way. It's the, so the question like, is, what level of God are you talking about? That's yeah, always the question sure. you no, ask. Like, if you're talking about the level of God of Mamale Kol Omen, then God needs us right and no. god interacts with us it doesn't, it doesn't mean that like we're abandoned like it's not right well it always just depends on what like, level you're yeah, talking about but it's but yeah. essentially like they're for us because this is how we express our love and this is how we express yeah. our gratitude he doesn't need this like he he has the again the aids of it he has something that we cannot comprehend like and yeah. we cannot really articulate it or we cannot really this is for us for the people for the humans who cannot comprehend the aids of yeah, it's, it's, it, yeah. This whole process that we're talking about allows 
the infinity that we've been talking about, all these lofty levels, to actually permeate entire lives and entire world. Definitely. So that's the example. Are we clear with the example now? I know it is confusing because we, we, we always like put mitzvahs as a synonym, not synonym, as a synonym with that light that it draws down. But there are two things. The mitzvahs are the action that result in the drawing down of the light. Um, so that's kind of where, where that but comes. the mitzvahs are not really physical. Mitzvahs are physical. Mitzvahs are physical. Well, we just kept saying that the mitzvahs are like... The mitzvahs are sourced in an extremely lofty, infinite place. Right, but so as they're... Why but do we need the Torah? The mitzvahs are physical, so we have a physical... We don't know how you to mean to say there's no... Oh. See, sometimes you need to speak things out to get it, right? No, totally. I, I totally get that. Sometimes I only understand the thing I'm teaching while I'm teaching it because I'm talking it out. And I'm like, okay, now that makes sense. The more we talk things out, the more we can actually um, connect with our mind. That's like a known thing. So the more, we, um, the more we can learn Torah, the more we can connect with the mitzvahs that we're doing. Because um, we said at the end of the day, the mitzvahs are very physical actions that we don't, tr- we can never truly comprehend their significance. Yeah, there's. Oh, um, we almost done. Yeah. Yeah. When you. <laughs> someone's been keeping track. It's like on your Rosh Hashanah when you're counting till the no, end of the book. No, <laughs> Yes, so there's a summary now that you, anyone can read to themselves if they'd like to get a little bit more clarity on what we did so far in chapter one. Really, really quickly, we started off um, with the verse of Ani Lododi Vododi Li Shoshanim. I am to my beloved, my beloved is to me who feeds me with, nourishes me with roses. We said the roses are the 13 attributes of mercy, which now we're going to actually get back to. But we said in order to understand what's the connection between the 13 attributes of mercy and Elul, which is not a time where we're actively being judged. Why are we, what does it mean that they're present here and that we can tap into them? If we're not like just begging Hashem to forgive us at this time, that's more the 10 days of teshuva. We said in order to understand all that, we're gonna put that question totally aside. We're gonna speak about the difference between these two lights, the all encompassing infinite light of God, which transcends all worlds, which we call the sov of kol omen, the light that surrounds all the worlds. And then we have the Mamale Kol Omen, the light that permeates into the worlds. We compared them to Torah and mitzvahs, and we concluded mitzvahs are sourced in a higher place than Torah, but Torah, mitzvahs are dependent on Torah in order to actually draw down their light. So Torah is higher. It's like as above, so below, as within, so without. Say again, sorry? As above, so below, which is what it's saying here, right? As above, so below. It says right here on the last page, so even though from... Above to below. What 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 page are you oh, on I'm here? Sorry, I, I'm nineteen. Torah. Nineteen. Okay. Oh, so even two. Yes. It says so two. Even though from above to below. So it's that concept within Kabbalah as above, so below. You draw the light from above to within, and then as within, so without. Once it's within, then you express it without. And there's right. that cycle. Left. There's that cycle. So that's why usually the things we express outwardly seem to be the the most the most um, mundane, insignificant. And that outward expression is that of the mitzvahs. It's like, what are you doing? You're shaking some things. You're putting something on your head. You're covering your head. Like, what are you, like, mm. that doesn't look spiritual. But as you said, it's drawing down from a very lofty place and then expressed out. And th- that's actually expressing the highest source. Yeah. It's probably in the summary. I could read it, but... <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a, it's a good summary. I, this 
the chapter one so far is in two sections in my head, and I need help putting them together. Okay. So we talked about the 13 attributes of mercy and a little, and then we talked about the two sources of light. They're not supposed to connect yet. They don't okay. connect yet at all. Okay, yeah. At all. I don't understand the question. No, no, no. We're not I supposed to yet. None. <laughs> Definitely. So remember, we said the the style the style of Altaravi is to bring a verse, bring a question, totally go somewhere else, and then come back. We haven't come, we haven't come back yet. Okay. We're still there. I saw. I was studying on uh, Chabad.org, and I do the daily learnings every day. So I do the Chumash, and then the oh, that's awesome. Tanya, and so I do try to do that every night. But last night on the Tanya, it was talking about the Rambam and this whole concept. The Rambam, the Tanya is speaking about literally this. Right. Yesterday and today as well. You'll oh, see. You'll today see. even more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Will you touch on what the Rambam's perspective is? So, no. remind, so remind me what the Rambam says there. Essentially, he was saying that the mitzvahs are the, the higher The mitzvahs level. are the higher level. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so, the the... Today, in today's Tanya, it says the same thing, that we're actually dependent on the Torah. But it, the Tanya, it, it happens very often in our class. I don't, it's a, creepy. It's okay. so cool that there's a connection between what we're learning and the daily Tanya. Um, the Tanya today, specifically, is speaking very much about Mamale Kolom and Sovav Kolom and the difference between the two um, and, and the advantage of the Sovav Kolom. At the end of the day, when we're talking about in its source, Mitzvahs are higher than Torah, right? We've established that. When we talk about in its practical application, Torah is higher than mitzvahs. Why? Because it allows us to do the mitzvahs. The mitzvahs are dependent on the Torah, and therefore they're higher. So as it expresses itself down here in this world, the Torah is higher than the mitzvahs. We depend on the Torah to do the mitzvahs. As they are sourced up in the spiritual worlds, the mitzvahs are higher because they come from a loftier place. And, And we'll see that a lot throughout our studies, that when we're talking about the source, one will be higher than the other. When we talk about how they express themselves in this world, the one that seems to be higher looks lower, and the one that seems to be lower looks higher. And he, and he pulls in the Sifra as far as how that integrates into the concept as yes. well, right? Yes. Okay. So that might help. Yes, well. and to the end of today's Tanya, like takes it even, even more. And, and there, I think, it's in connection with Tzedakah, with charity, and how charity is drawing down the Sov of Kolom, and charity is considered like the all-encompassing, inclusive mitzvah, that where you're taking literally from yourself, from your physical life, and giving it to somebody else, and how that is explained, how that is sourced from, from this place of Sov of Kolom. Now we're going to start connecting this back a little bit. Um, to Teshuva, okay? Before we get to Teshuvah, before we like get into the 13 attributes of mercy, we're going to speak about Teshuva. Oh, we need to still... This. Yeah. I did this whole chunk. Oh, okay, there we go. Page 22. Page 22. So we need to keep everything in mind that we've done so far, okay? Um, the difference between the Mamale and the, and the difference between the Soviv and the roles that they each play. Now we're going to see that this physical world that we live in has a lot more Soviv Kalonin than the spiritual world of Gan Eden that we were talking about previously. Because as we said, Gan Eden is a spiritual world of souls that have been completely stripped of physical, anything physical that it, that it um, came into contact with in this world has already been stripped away. And now it's pure soul, pure spirituality, learning Torah and delighting in the intellectual understanding of Torah. And so we said that is very much Mamale Kolomen. So even though a soul is understanding a spiritual idea, it's still not God himself. It's a limited aspect of God that's being internalized and being delighted in. And so 
what souls are doing in the upper spiritual worlds, even though they're learning a lot more Torah than us and going a lot deeper than we are, is that they're drawing down Mamale Kolomen. What we're doing in this world through learning Torah, we do mitzvahs because we can interact with the physical. And what do we say when we do mitzvahs? We're drawing down the infinite, all-encompassing light of God, which is way loftier, which is way close to the truth of who God really is, not just an expression, a limited expression of himself. And we're drawing it down into this physical world. And we're going to see that there's a practical difference in the way we live our lives because of that. So as we discussed about Sovev Kolomen, when we say something's infinite, it includes, we, we said it's a unified light. Do you remember we said that? That um, we, we brought four definitions for each one. Um, we said that the Sov of Kolomen is unified. It's one thing, right? Um, it's infinite. It gives to everything equally. And I don't remember the fourth one. It's, it's not, I don't remember the fourth one that I gave. But we said that it's a unified light. It's it, like that light includes all possibilities within it. We could think of our mind like that. Like our mind not just our thoughts, but our mind or even our subconscious. It includes within it every possible thought that could ever be thought. It includes within it opposite ideas, all existing as one entity. And that idea, when we say that so of Kolomen is being drawn down into this world, which includes all possibilities within it, that is what allows us to do teshuva. Because what did we say teshuva is? Remember? Return. Return. Correction, we said it's to change for the better. This ability to change is only in our world. A soul in Gan Eden, even though it is basking in the rays of godliness, it is tapping and tuning into spirituality in a way that we could never comprehend ever in our whole lifetime, in many lifetimes. Even though it's closer to God, in an intellectual understanding way, in the way that it's, it doesn't sin, obviously, it's not able to change. Because the light that's being drawn down when it learns Torah is mamale. We said it's a directed light. When the light of mamale is drawn down, it gives a very specific amount of light to a very specific thing, depending on how much it can receive, right? So the soul is drawing down a very specific amount of light to it, depending on how much the soul can receive, and that's it. That's the amount of revelation it has. That's the reality it lives. And even those souls we know do get what we call aliyot, an aliyah, an ascending of the soul where it goes up in levels. Once it gets to that level, that's the amount of light it's getting until somebody maybe down here does something in memory of that soul and then it can, and then it can go up again. But it's not up to the soul to just change its reality because it's getting a very, dist- like very, very distilled limited amount of light. When we do mitzvahs in this world, we are drawing down a light that includes within it every single possibility. So there's the possibility in that light, in that world, in that reality for us to sin, for us to stray and be far from God. But there's also the reality for us to be the biggest tzaddikim we could possibly be and to connect at any moment with God. So it's this light, it's this potential that we are drawing down into this world through mitzvahs that we can, that allows us to change because we're not limited to our destiny, so to speak, to the light that we draw down and stuck with that. We have around us in this world, Sov of Kolomen, God's infinite light, where every possibility exists as one thing. And that's because of all the mitzvahs that we do and that we draw down into this world specifically. And because of that, we can flip. We can change in one, one moment. There's a story in the Gemara about somebody called um, Elazar ben Durdaya. 
he was a Jew who was a bandit. He was like a really bad guy. <laughs> um, he was a bandit. He like, his whole life was of crime and um, violence. And he was just, he was not connected to his Judaism and to God in any sort of way. And he had this like tshuva moment. He had this very extreme tshuva moment that's described in the, in the Talmud that he decided, you know what? Like, I don't want to live this way anymore and I want to connect to God. But he didn't know what, he didn't know how. He was so lost. He was so far. So it says he turned to the mountains and he begged the mountains, you're close to God. You're very, you know, you're lost. You never sin. Go and, go and speak to God on behalf of me and help me to do tshuva. And the mountains said, what do you mean? We're busy. We have our own things to deal with. Mm-hmm. So he turned to the rivers and to the valley and, and everyone said, no, we're busy. You deal with yourself. So he sat down in between these two mountains in a valley and he started to cry and cry and cry and cry until his soul actually left his body. And a bus call, a voice came out from heaven. Bus call means bus call. A voice of the voice. I've never tried translating that literally before. Okay, that's interesting. A voice from heaven came out and uh, this, this idea of a voice from heaven has been recorded throughout many different places in Torah. A physical voice that can be heard by physical people but that comes from heaven. And only the daughter of God's voice is not actually God's voice. Oh, interesting. There we go, maybe. <laughs> I've never tried translating it actually before. Um, yeah, Baskol. And the Baskol said that Elazar ben Dordaya has done complete teshuva and he's going to heaven, he's going to Gan Eden. And his entire life, entire life, okay, was one of complete sin and being far from God. And he had one moment where that completely flipped and his whole reality changed in that one moment. And that is the idea of teshuva. It's a power that comes because of our mitzvahs, because the Sov of Kolomen is here, that we can tap into that Sov of Kolomen and we can do teshuva, we can change. We can literally change the direction of our life completely, which is something that angels and souls cannot do. It says that the souls that's of the tzaddikim are yoshvin v'nenim meziva shchina. They sit and they bask in the rays of the shchina. And the idea is that they sit, they don't move. That's the place that they're in. And that's the place that they stay. We are walking. We're always moving. Yeah. So I was say. just reading the uh, Devorim 7 And if you read Devorim 7 and 8. He, right you're right saying right, here in. I'm sorry. Right here on chapter. Right there on chapter. Right there. The oh, yeah, here, here, here. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Um, but if you read Devorim 9 and 10, it lists the 13 attributes of God right before it gives this. That's so interesting. I did not know that. So yeah, Vaischanan. Vaischanan is. Yeah, Vaischanan means that he was begging. Right. Okay, very, very interesting. Yeah, we're going to see the significance of this verse in a moment. Wait, what is Yeah. Yeah, also, I think in modern Hebrew. What's his name? It's Hanan? No, his name is Hanan. Hanan. There's also El Hanan, so it's like... Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering what the root... I think the root word is Hanan. Um, yeah, yeah. Interesting. In Hebrew, also Hanana means a nerd, if that helps. That's more like it. So maybe that's what it is. Um, yes, so... What about the fact that, like, for instance, 
like Rav Pinchas when he was when uh, he was prayed for to go to Ganadan because he was such like when he was prayed like that he would he would not die like basically that he would be resurrected on earth like that is it Rav like, Pinchas who are you talking about Rav Pinchas who Rav Pinchas went alive into Ganadan like and there is this like Mara gives this example like the fact that the only thing that saved him from being uh, sent to Gina or Gilgal, whatever, like the 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 only thing that let him come alive into Ganadan was the fact that he never lied, not once. Like he, that he never like not lied. Meaning like if he says be there in three minutes, he was there in three minutes. Like this kind of thing. And literally, it's like break broke like broken down in Mara that like every single moment in his life was full of truthfulness and no lie. The thing is like, if you know that you have, like, if you know about the fact that you're sinning, it's not about like, it's not about the captured child. I'm not talking about the fact that when you, when you know, when you don't know, like your chuba is important, but when you know and when you're not doing it, like, is, isn't it longer That's what we're gonna talk space? about. Like, yes. isn't, it, isn't it also discussion with Mar about this case? Like the, the fact that, he didn't know that which is which is like which is fine like it's not it's not included in the process of truth but the fact that he knew that he was sinning and like like however much he wanted to repent doesn't really yeah so there's so there's um we're going to be discussing in a moment what if we didn't do all the mitzvahs we need to do to draw down the sovav that we needed to draw down, to tap into that to do teshuvah. Like, what if there are gaps in our service? And then how do we connect? So we're going to talk about that. Um, and the Gemara also speaks about, like, levels of, like, who could be forgiven on Yom Kippur and who can't and things like that. And the conclusion basically comes down, basically comes down to is that if you're, unless you're, like, actively rebelling in that moment and saying, like, I'm going to eat right now, even though I know that I shouldn't be eating, um, Okay, then that can like interfere with teshuva, but but the day itself, the idea is that the day itself, <laughs> whoops, <laughs> the idea is that the day itself atones on teshuva, and we've just we've speak, spoken about that um, about the energy of the day, that that transcends anything that's actually going on in the day. So if we can tap into that, then teshuva happens. Um, yeah, but it's it's a question. What if somebody has no idea? Like, they just don't know. No, no, for sure. Like, that's a God yeah. for a child. That's also, like, yeah. that's... But now, I think sad. I'm just going to get to Izzy quickly, because I think she yeah. also had a, yeah, a question. Oh, oh, sorry, Zahava. Okay. I apologize. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> I knew... I, we go way back. <laughs> Who is that? That's the resource I'm speaking. No, that's what... That's so I just want to sum up what you're talking about and make sure I have a clear picture. So teshuva and mitzvah both, both come from sovev. Um, but it's not like by doing, it's not like you do teshuva by doing mitzvahs. It's more that they come from the same place. But then also you have more of a possibility to do teshuva and tap into the energy if you're doing mitzvahs. Is that correct? Yes, and we're going to take that to a deeper level once we get inside, discuss how teshuva actually comes from an even higher place than mitzvahs, which even if you didn't do all the mitzvahs, it helps and it works even then. But yes, so far what I've said, um, you got that. So tomorrow we will read this inside, chapter two, this concept of the ability for us to change because of Soviv and the lack of ability of change in the upper spiritual worlds. The only way a spiritual being, a soul can actually change up above is if we down here in our reality of Soviv with our mitzvahs do something in their honor 
and in their name, which is why we do many things like where we say le'iloi nishmat so-and-so, to give the neshama, le'iloi means for ascending, nishmat of the soul of so-and-so. We can change the reality of souls up above and help them to ascend, but they can't because we live in this reality down here, which is much more permeated by Soviv and the, the reality up there. Obviously, so again, Soviv exists in all of the worlds and Mamala exists in all of the worlds, but it's predominantly present and able to be tapped into down here because of our mitzvahs. So we'll continue with that and inside as well tomorrow. And then we're also going to say, well, where, where does Teshuvah come from? Does it come from the same place as mitzvahs, which means it would be limited to our mitzvahs, or does it come from somewhere higher, which can transcend our actions? We'll see that, thank God, it comes from somewhere higher. You can come <laughs> You looked a little worried there for a second. Oh, <laughs> okay. Thank you. Have a good one. Thank nice you. to see you. you too.